Hello, and welcome back to Vox Popcast, the weekly pseudo-academic roundtable of pop culture analysis with drinking and swearing. My name is Christopher Maverick, but you can call me Mav, and I am once again here with my co-hosts, Wayne and Hannah. Wayne, how's it going? I'm okay. I'm okay. I don't have a good answer to that, like usual, but Hannah, I think, I think you may have some other questions. Yeah, yeah. Well, my question for Hannah is, what food did you used to like but not like anymore? <laughs> you know, I used to really like Starburst and Skittles, and now... I kind of gotten sick of them, but especially Skittles. Like I saw an article a couple of weeks ago that they might be toxic for human consumption. I can't so, oh my God, I have an actual like, answer to this. Oh my God. Marcel will be horrified to hear this. I, he he and lives I'm, on Skittles. I'm deeply upset by this because they finally brought back the lime flavor after they replaced it with gross green apple. Also, why would you replace lime with green apple Skittles? It doesn't fit the lineup. See, this was supposed to be a bit where you'd apologize and like, let me go back to my very boring, how are you doing question. And now you've given it a real answer and the listeners are going to be like, oh yeah, ask Hannah a question every week and I'm going to have to host. <laughs> Fine. Don't act like this is effort or listeners. Before we start recording, I sent Mav a icebreaker questions generator. For me, by the way, the question was, what question have people been recently asking you a lot? I was doing? going to say, yeah, I was going to say, how are you doing? How's it going? That works. Okay. So not what we're talking about. Yeah. Wayne, what are we talking about? This is your- I don't know that I explained this well in the blog. I don't know if I really know what I'm talking about with this. I just, here's the overall thought is you know, the most recent Thor movie. I saw a lot of feedback in my social media about a lot of people were just like, oh, that was goofy. It was too silly. It was too funny. This stuff needs to be more serious. So I felt like some pushback against sort of the direction they've gone. I think specifically with Thor, I think a lot of people have their head canon of who that character is. And the MCU version is very different than what we saw with, you know, Stan and Jack and Paul Simonson and a lot of others. So it just got me thinking in my lifetime, I've been through, you know, I watched the Batman TV series in the 1960s, which was you know, funny and very campy and sort of colored the public perception of comics and superheroes for decades. I mean, to a point that you know, as you know, someone who took superheroes seriously as a genre, it felt like a battle against you know, the, the camp thing. Superheroes need to be anti-camp to be taken seriously. And then we had our, you know, Watchmen and Dark Knight and the dark ages of comics and everything being taken probably way too seriously at some point. And I'm just wondering if this is you know, just an ongoing cycle. Has there is there room for dark serious takes as well as funny takes? Has that always existed? It's just some are, are more prominent at any given time or the other. And not just with comics, with stuff. Right. Yeah, with stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, it, that's sort of a vague notion, but I thought let's talk it out and see. I think I personally think there's room for both, but I just, I found that reaction like after years of dark, grim, gritty superheroes and, and people wanting that they're now upset that things are goofy again. And we're not going to just talk about this ourselves. We have a very special guest tonight. Yeah, we have, okay. So this is in a way, arguably like not the first guest ever on the show, but like the negative first, second or third guest, because when this show started, one of the ways it started was Wayne and I, uh, well, Katya and I were going to school together and then Wayne and I kept ending up on a bunch of academic panels together. Even we knew each other, right? But we knew each other. But like one of them in particular, uh, there was a day where I I go up to the comic book store and Wayne's like, yeah, they called me to be at this Wizard World convention this uh, this year to talk about 1940s comics. And I was like, I also got that call earlier today. So we we separately got invited. Yeah. Through different sources. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But that particular panel was run by a comic book author, Danny Fingeroff, who is with us. Hey, Danny. Hey, Danny. Hey, guys. 
Well, you know, it's nice to thank you for inviting me. I can tell you the art of how those phone calls are about, but, uh, you know, are you gonna? Is there more introduction about how wonderful I am, or should I? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, give us your, your CV. Very wonderful. You, yeah, you, you, you have a remarkable CV. So, yeah. so well, I wrote and edited for Marvel for many years. I was the group editor of the Spider-Man line. Did Greenlight the Clone Saga. You can while you're reading your collected hardback editions of the Clone Saga, you can tell me how terrible an idea that was. And I wrote Dark Hawk. I wrote more issues of the Dazzler than any human living or dead. Worked on the X-Men and Man-Thing as an assistant. I started in the British Department with Larry Lieber, Stan, Stan Lee's brother. So I did a lot of writing and editing in the years since. I've written books about comics, Superman on the Couch, Disguised as Clark Kent. My most recent book is a Marvelous Life, The Amazing Story of Stan Lee. The first biography to, of Stan to come out after his death, despite what you may have heard others. <laughs> and it was well-reviewed. My favorite blurb is a rave from Jules Pfeiffer, so that... You know, I thought I should probably just hang everything up after that and go, you know, things going to stop that. And I uh, started Right Now magazine for Tomorrow's. I was the director of education at the Museum of Comic and Cartoon Art. And uh, right now I'm working on a prose biography of a guy named Jack Ruby. We can talk about that later on. But anyway, so, th so thank you for inviting me. Yeah, thanks, thanks for coming on. Here's the deal. Wizard hired me to do weird stuff. They basically, they had a guy running their uh, programming you know, not computer programming, their, their convention programming. And I did a couple of panels for them at their New York show. And they basically said, we want you to do kind of offbeat stuff. You know, some like mainstream, like, you know, you know, here's, you know, here's an interview with Rob Liefeld or whatever. But they really gave me pretty much carte blanche to do wacky stuff. So I think we did 1940 in comics, because you reminded me that I had a picture of your parents, <laughs> of my, yeah, of my parents' wedding, and that they got married in 1940. So that would have been, you know, that that would have been the title of of the panel. But what I would do, I would go to the late and much missed the Tom Spurgeon's list of local people in cities all over the country of who the local comics people were. I figured out was every city big enough to have a wizard show would have a bunch of academics who would come and talk for free. Yeah, and we're happy to have people listen. So yeah. it was like, ooh, free personnel, <laughs> and you know, and almost always interesting, as you guys were and are, you know. So, but that was, I would sit down. Okay, the show is in Pittsburgh. Here, <laughs> you know, here's who's within twenty five miles, who's within fifty miles, you know, <laughs> and and you know, I'm look in the age of Google, I would not have just called you guys randomly. Then I would have like uh, investigated you at least through like two. Two Google searches for each of you. But that's, and I did that in every city. And I have to say, I've met a lot of great people, you know, and people with who I had stuff in common with and who were very interesting. And, you know, the most anybody ever demanded was, you know, a reimbursement for parking. So yeah. <laughs> that's true. That was what I got. They, I got free parking and I got in for free and I was given an extra pass so my wife could go. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think I bust down and my roommate got in for free. So. Yeah, <laughs> right. So it was free comp for your friends and family. But it, it was a very, it really extended my network in, in comics and, you know, animation. And just because, you know, as like me, you guys have this esoteric store of knowledge. 
And if somebody wants to actually have you talk about it, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm amazed. People actually listen to the show and people mention it to me out of yep. the blue. And I'm like, oh, really? Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> I, I know we've been doing it. I just didn't think anybody was listening. That's the show. That's the, we were on the panel. That's where we met Chris Gavaller, who's been on yes. the show a couple of times. Yeah, oh, so that's, uh, yeah, the same place. Yeah, I mean, he was just there. And Wayne and I knew each other already. And I don't know. Did you get called through the paper or through? I think somebody contacted me through. Yeah, you know, I think someone reached out to people at Pitt and either Mark okay. or Tony, one of the one of those contacts. Yeah, and for me, me, I don't remember specifically, but and for me, it was Duquesne. They were so, yeah, that was a rare moment in history when mm-hmm. you know, his wizard, which you know was kind of known for being very commercial, and this guy running, uh, but he was great. He just said basically, "Come up with stuff." <laughs> you know, that's you know. That's different than just the regular convention programming. And but interestingly enough, what I found because I ended up doing a lot of those history panels as we barnstormed with the Wizard Vaudeville show. And those I don't remember how many people, you know, because a lot of it is just a blur in yeah. mind. But overall, many more people came to a panel about like 1914 comics than you would think. I mean, I don't remember how well we did it was pretty solid, which was how we knew that this show had possibilities because, I mean, we had a lot of people talk to us after that show. And I think we'd also done the Mount Aloysius show, Wayne and I had. And, and Katya and I had talked about doing a podcast before. And people in the store, Wayne, were telling us, why don't you guys just record these conversations every week? And Wayne and I were very much like, why would you want to do that? So people seem to like that sort of thing. Hannah, you've said before that you, you just pretend nobody's paying attention to us every week. Yep. You know, honestly, Wayne, the more I think about it, the more I feel like this topic also relates to like this conversation I've heard people talk about for ages about like the different like fads of genre, like things like Westerns mm-hmm. and how they like swing in and out of popularity. Yeah, I, I think there is something to all of that. Just any genre coming and going in terms of popularity, but also how it's approached and I think it's also, I, I realize, it's, you know, I, I think if you sort of start counting the current superior popularity from, say, Blade in 1998, you know, 24 years, which yeah. maybe for Westerns is unprecedented. Yeah. So. I think you're right, Hannah. I think certainly. I, and you know, I, you know, part of my response to the people who were you know, upset with Thor is it's a take a Watiti movie? What did you expect? You know, like, <laughs> I guess that's the other thing. You and Danny, you can probably speak to this. Mav and I were talking earlier, just that whole idea of genre and what is included in it. And I've kind of seen superheroes as something that has always had room for serious stories and goofy stories and all that stuff. I mean, you know, the 1970s have the Spider Man and the Green Arrow speedy drug issues, but they also had Howard the Duck. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I think you know, there are lots of people who just you'd think they need to see all the MCU movies and they all need to have the same tone. And I'm absolutely fine with Guardians of the Galaxy being a little wacky and Cap being a political thriller. And maybe it's because I've just always read comics and seen those things coexist. Well, you, you guys know what happened, you know, when before the rise of the graphic novel and early great independent stuff and you know, say in the late 70s through a lot of the 80s, maybe even to the early 90s, you know, well, you know, if superheroes 
were the dominant genre, which I'm not sure they, you know, they ever were as much as some of us would like to believe, but if they were certainly what dominated the comic shops and there were so many comic shops and there was even newsstand, we developed subgenres within different titles. You know, Miller's Daredevil was the noir and Burns' Fantastic Four was the straight on superhero stuff. And, you know, the She-Hulk would be breaking the fourth wall. So uh, somehow we found that uh, although people seem to want the quote-unquote superhero genre, there was room within that and necessary within that to subdivide it. And I see that happening with the movies and TV shows now. Yeah, and you know, to me, it's not a surprise. It's just the way I've always consumed comics. But it seems to be befuddling to a lot of people. <laughs> Here's what I'm wondering, because people say it's befuddling, but like all I heard for the last, I don't know, four, five, six years was people saying, well, all the Marvel movies look exactly the same. They're all the same story. It's people have constantly complained that, oh, well, why do we have to have another origin story? Can't we try something different? And then, I mean, Hannah, you talked about this at your PCA talk, and you talked about this on the show. The second you do Eternals, which was something different, people complained. It's like, well, this is not what I... Yeah. Here's my thing. I actually liked the Turtles. I didn't like it as much as Hannah did. I kind of liked the Turtles. I loved WandaVision, didn't love Falcon and Winter Soldier, loved Ms. Marvel. And here's the thing I'm allowed to like some things and not other things, as are you. I haven't, you know, I've been reading comic books for 46 years, and some of them I like and some of them I don't. And I don't feel like I have to watch everything or enjoy everything. So why is this different? Yeah. It's, it's impossible. You couldn't, I guess. How could you even watch everything if you wanted? I mean, I guess you yeah. wouldn't have much of a, of a life. Yeah. Or something. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Well, and that's, I, you know, I ran into that with the customer base at, at the store I worked at as well. People who just, you would complain incessantly about, oh, the X-Men just the same thing over and over again. And the moment somebody introduced something new and tried something different, <laughs> like, oh, not my X-Men. So, you know, <laughs> people don't know what they want. They think they do, but they. I mean, look, the. You know, consumers vote with their rear ends yeah. and with their dollars. And I mean, each one of these movies makes more than the one before. So. Right. Know, so, I mean, it, you know, people have other things, you know, a lot of choices, what to spend their entertainment money on. So I think, uh, you know, there's a certain vocal, you know, Roof on the internet, the blog to complain, or yeah. Well, and one of my favorites, I have a, a friend who, on a scale of one to ten, he gave Thor a four. That was after seeing it three times. <laughs> so, you know, that's it's very funny. That goes to what my definition of what our mission, you know, at Marvel or any company, any pop culture company is. We had to do something so horrible every month that people had to come by every month to see what we were doing. Yeah, <laughs> how badly we were screwing up, you know. It, it's a fine line because if you go to, yeah. over it, you can help. Because if you know, again, people only have a finite amount of money to spend. So if they think that, say, Spider Man or Thor or whatever is going to be sort of dependably the same every month, and think about it almost like a you know, mortalizing your ear a Superman story or something, and even they broke it up the death of Superman, all you know, they, mm-hmm. you know but if people think it. it they can miss an issue. They will miss an issue if, they, if it's a matter of buying something else that seems more urgent to them. 
hate dollars spend as well as love dollars. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, you bought it was to a certain point you know, when you buy the thing. One thing I wondered, and this is one of the reasons I was, I kind of wanted to make sure Hannah was on the show, was because when you talked about it, like, you know, ongoing pop culture cycles, but you were mostly still talking about, you know, since the comics era. And Hannah, mm-hmm. you know, every time we do one of these, like, you always say, well, you know, look at the Victorian stuff. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. Is that a thing for, uh, would you say, because yeah, I, I think like, it, it feels like it is to me. It is with pop literature which mm-hmm. i've studied it is with movies which i've studied people always want something different and i yeah, want a comfortable like, difference yeah but you know there's like i want to do hannah does history in two minutes is too general probably for academics you know like there's like a big fight in like the night there's a big fight in like the 18th century about like what the novel would be because it was like still like an emerging weird genre right and like there was like the samuel richardson stuff which was you know pamela and charles grandison and if you've never read them it's because they're like a billion pages especially charles (laughs) grandison and clarissa which is like like a super long novel but like you know that was like more in line with like what maybe you know, you see kind of like sentimental kind of stuff. And then there was like Henry Fielding, who was much more like funny. And, you know, like you, you can like see how like these novel like traditions like were different. And if you trace like the history of the novel from the 18th century to the 19th century, starting with those two writers, you get very different stories. On the other hand, you know, there's like genres like the gothic that were like super popular. And then like they sort of fell out of like favor to some degree. And like Jane Austen, like with and Bass, the gothic novel and like Northanger Abbey. And then there was like the sensation novel later on in the Victorian period that like grew on like elements of the gothic, but like was sort of a precursor to mystery fiction. Like Wilkie Collins was a huge sensationalist fiction writer. And he like wrote like what people consider the first whodunit, the Moonstone. So like, there's always like cycles of stuff and like also there was always there, there were always like critics being weird about it too like everyone was like freaking out about you know i've, I've talked about this like the freaking about like the novel being like an immoral and like you know people would get too caught up in the fantasy like people you know would like talk about comic books and then like um people like throwing fits about like character or plot or like sentimentality or like whatever like um you didn't like know the titles um, of like something like a Tell Two Cities and like see their bad reviews or something and you put them up against like a bad review of like Thor, Love and Thunder you might not be able to tell the difference maybe not those whose one is believe that. a lot of historical but you know yeah. so like when Moby Dick came out did people go what the hell kind of whale story is this yeah. <laughs> well, what's all the Blabbing in between. I want a lot of blood and guts. What's all this philosophy? This is the worst whale story ever. <laughs> I really right. wish that we had Katya on this show because we would be able to talk about that way more. Yeah. <laughs> There's, yeah that's right. I mean, it's kind of, it's one of those things though, because you know, right now, I think you have the people complaining, why is this so silly? You know, why is, and Wayne, you said at the very beginning, not at the very beginning, you said a while ago, it's a Taika Waititi movie. Thor is a Taika Waititi yeah. movie, and if you approach it from there, like the fact that uh, the fact that Ragnarok was so restrained is kind of weird if you watch Taika movies, right? Like, so mm-hmm. this was Taika Unleashed, and this is what you get. 
I enjoy Taika, so to me, yeah, it yeah, was kind of great. Yeah, if you don't enjoy that style, I get it. Particularly, you think you a lot of just classic Thor fans just mm-hmm. don't, you know, have a real tough time accepting this version of him. He's not the majestic uh, Thor that we know from the comics. There's no forsoothing around. Yeah. And, and I mean, I'm kind of okay with that because I want, I want to have fun at these movies. I, you know, I call them funny mm-hmm. books, right? That's a thing that I enjoy about my comics. But on the other hand, I was the guy who was complaining when I thought every movie wanted to be the Dark Knight. You know, you always mm-hmm. wanted to be edgy, which I, I actually like Nolan's movies. And I didn't like everybody who was trying to pretend to be Nolan. And yeah. that's kind of a thing, right? So, like, I, I also found myself just you know, a personal anecdote, my own reaction to this kind of stuff. Because I, I grew up, you know, I was when I was a kid, you know, comics are, oh, these are terrible for you. And I, there's sort of that battle to be taken seriously. And I find myself reacting badly when things are when this thing I love actively being made fun of or people not taking it seriously or whatever. When I was on the board with the Pittsburgh Museum here in town and there was just a board meeting about where we were moving forward, whatever. And kind of had a verbal run in with somebody who and he had a point. It just you know, we we're was talking about programming that are not necessarily an academic conference, but you know, talking about the art and you, you know panels that, that talked about you know education and, and using this stuff in a, a more serious manner and he called kind of called me out saying what i don't hear anybody here saying is this should be fun and his entire approach to it was very much i saw a, as a little wacky and puerile and it's not that i don't want comics to be fun but i also found myself you know for most of my adult life trying to convince people that you can take this seriously. It's not all just wacky, silly stuff mm-hmm. for kids. So I find myself on the edge of that argument. He wasn't wrong. He, like, yes, you're right. We should have events that are fun, not just boringly academic. Hence the show. <laughs> I mean, I think things are the balance is, I think, what people are reacting to in a lot of ways. It's, I mean, the Thor movie, it had a cancer subplot and then just like a general death subplot. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, there were some yachts, but this was a really, <laughs> yeah, there was some uh, head issues of mortality. Gore's motivations. Yeah. Was, yeah. That's what people didn't, but see, people complained about that. They were like, well, how come you're treating this so silly when it's a thing that, and I'm like, well, that, like, Ica made a goofy movie about Nazis like two years ago. <laughs> it's not like that's what he does. And I'm, I'm okay with it because I know that I'm, that's what I'm signing up for. I wonder if, you know, we do this with comic books and comic book movies. Well, you you know, you have one crowd complaining that they're not edgy enough and they, you know, they really want everything to be the Snyderverse, right? You have one crowd complaining that they're not fun enough and like, I love the MCU thing. You have people like me going or like, I want lots of variety and I'm okay with variety. I Again, I like Mm -hmm. Eternals. I like Thor. They were very different movies. Like you wouldn't go into a movie, a, like you wouldn't go into a drama movie, a non-comic book movie, a non-superhero movie, and say, "Well, I don't know why is this here? You know, why is Saving Private Ryan so so dreary and actiony? You know, can't we have some fun here?" 
no, it's not that kind of movie. And I wouldn't go see some random Adam Sandler movie and say, can he be serious? No, it's a different movie, right? So is it just like high genre pop culture, like comics, where we forcing there to be some kind of disconnect? Like, I don't know. Does, does romance have this problem? I mean, I guess kind of. We talked about it on the Bridgerton episode a little bit. But like, you know, people are like, well, are you forcing this? I don't know. They're definitely like, I, I think it partially is a question of genre. Not like the reason why many romance fans get upset. And by romance, I mean the happily ever after type of romance. Like the reason why a romance fan might get upset might be because someone doesn't follow the like major conventions of the genre in a way that's like disappointing and you're not getting what you're signing up for also i guess there are fights over things like you know how like our, our people are disappointed a lot about the spice level of the novels like courtney Milan was tweeting this week about how she like gets letters from people who are like i would have enjoyed your book but there was too much sex but i mean like i think that this is true of star wars though right like people have very big opinions about like what Star Wars should be and if it's too light or too dark or like doesn't like too many black people, too many women. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, mean, I, think I mean, yes, there's that, but I mean like in terms of like genre conventions paralleling this, I mean we have that same problem yeah. with Marvel. Like people are freaking out about Eternals or, you know, Miss Marvel or She Hulk now. But like I think that, you know, um Rogue One, for example, was very controversial because of like its ending and its just overall darker tone. Even if Star Wars, you know, isn't like the most happy thing because it's about like imperial conquest and like rebellion. But I wonder maybe like to get back to something else about superheroes, and maybe Danny, you can speak to this. Is that there? They do have like a wide range of genres fitting within them, so people like. I feel like there's like less definition about like the genre conventions specifically of superheroes could be off based up. No, it I think some of it may even go back to that old saw that the golden age of anything is twelve. You know, yeah, it's yeah. Like, you know, whatever your if you're a superhero fan, whatever your sort of perfect superhero story or period was when you were at the prime of your Kind of, you know, naive or whatever, you know, your, your young fanishness when, and whatever it is, you know, struck you between the eyes and grabbed hold of your brain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some way is what your, you know, perfect balance of, because there's been humor, I mean, from the very beginning with, you know, with the Marvel comics and, and mm -hmm. look at a character like the original Captain Marvel, well, that was, you know, that was really a lot, you know, largely. But I mean, you'd have the, you know, Galactus would be, you know, you know, about to uh, devour the earth, but uh, Ben and, you know, Johnny's given Ben a hot foot or something. You know, I mean, that, that stuff was always, yeah. you know, it, it really brought, but a character like Thor, I guess, is, is right. The, you know, well, the popular conception, what does popular conception mean? Is it the 50,000 people who read Thor comics every month or is it the, you know, 100 million people worldwide who've seen the other right. movies. You know, what is the, you know, what's the idea? Mm. Or, and then, and how do you, you know, one thing, I mean, it is funny. The one genre convention that I find exasperating, but that I understand why it exists is no matter what movie or show, it always ends with a way too long fight scene. 
Yeah. Yeah. I agree. To me, that's the least interesting part of any of these. Yeah, because you don't have what well, we had in comic, and we still have in comic, you know, but right, you know, I guess and Stan and Roy and the Shooter and DeFalco and you know, people at Marvel certainly took advantage, right? Like you could have a fight scene that lasted two pages or something, but you could cram in all sorts of dialogue and captions and mm-hmm. observations. Whereas when you have a movie, Right. You can, an action that in real time or in movie time takes half a second, you can, I mean, that's the beauty of comics, right? You could draw that out for two or three pages and have some incredible philosophical interplay between characters or with any character. I mean, so that's, it seems to me they all, I, I could be wrong, but is there any superhero show, no matter how well written or how well acted, but I mean, you know, WandaVision, I, you know, I, I, I would not say it all made a lot of sense, but I didn't care. It was a fun ride. And then suddenly, mm-hmm. and suddenly the last episode or two was just this big CG fight. And I'm like, and I'm like okay, what? You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We, and we've talked about some of that. I, it seems to me, and we've talked about this, just the whole idea of a genre before, and particularly, I mean, funny story. There's romance stories, but romance stories can have elements of adventure in them. The superhero genre in particular just seems, it has romance. It just seems to be this container in which lots of different genres can fit. And there's a, and I just looked it up, there's a quote by Alan Moore about genre that I've always liked. And you guys have probably heard this, but it's, life isn't divided into genres. It's a horrifying, romantic, tragic, comic, science fiction, (laughs) cowboy detective novel. You know, with a bit of pornography, if you're lucky. And I've always liked that because, yeah, you know, it's, our lives are not broken down into genre. You know, the best fiction, if it reflects our life, has a little bit of all of this stuff in it. And I find that the idea of being limited to just the tropes of a genre to be very limiting. And I think part of what I've always liked about comics is you could have really serious, you know, Frank Miller, Daredevil, Dark Knight, whatever, and Zot coming out the same year you know and i was enjoying both of those things at that time and i'm still like that i you know i still enjoy and you mav and i you know you and i've talked in the store the last few years where you know we had a younger audience who were coming in and really digging squirrel girl and some of mm-hmm. that sort of thing and some of the younger audience long, and then, then, uh, and then 45 the year old men yes yeah <laughs> yeah who were just bitching about well that, that that's not what superheroes are well yeah mm-hmm. it is you just it's not for you and that's okay um, but that's a cyclical thing right because because yeah. as far as i could tell squirrel girl was read exclusively by 12 year old girls and 55 year old men yeah that's, <laughs> that's my experience yeah. It was like there, there were a bunch of 30 year olds who, who hated it. I was like, this is not edgy yeah. enough. But like young girls who, you know, saw a character they could relate to. And mm-hmm. at the, I mean, at the time, Squirrel Girl was new. I mean, they, those girls are, hell, they're, mm-hmm. I mean, they're Hannah's age. They're 30 now, right? right. Like, but like right. at the right. time. And then there were, and then there were, and there were people who grew up watching Batman in, in the 60s who were like, this is fucking awesome, right? Like, yeah, this is a lot of fun. Yeah. Like, we are coming at this from a position of 20. It's kind of any yeah. movie that took it at all seriously in any level would be a miracle 20 years ago. Right. Yeah, I've been revisiting, so I, I mentioned this before we were recording. You know, I'm a big Raymond Chandler fan. I've been revisiting Chandler lately, and sometimes I'm not sure if I'm reading Chandler or Chandler parody, you know? 
because he's so Raymond Chandler. He's so, right. you know, and then I followed that up, started rewatching The Long Goodbye, which was a Robert Alden movie. And, you know, people always said, oh, it's a parody. It's a put on. It's time. I got that. But I always, you know, I love that movie. But when I started watching it the other night, I went, boy, this, you know, this really is a parody. I'm still enjoying it, but it, it's definitely like, you know, Chandler putting a camera on Elliot Gould and going, Elliot, have fun with the, you know, there's 20 minutes of that movie that about, that about, about Philip Marlowe trying to fool his cat into thinking he's got a different brand of cat food than the one that he bought. <laughs> and that's how Chandler's books are. Yeah. I mean, yes, I get that they're, you know, gritty detective novels. But if oh, you okay. go back and read them, or if you go back and watch like, you know, Bogey performing them, they're goofy. There's lots of silliness in them. There is. And yeah, I'm sure even at the time they came out, you know, probably actually it probably people reading them in the 40s and 50s probably got more of the jokes that we don't get with so many years. But I mean, so that was, you know, what is that? That's the hard boiled genre of a Chandler, you know, uh, short circuited. And, you know, I mean, I, I don't think anybody including Chandler has ever claimed to actually understand the plot, the big sleep. You know, they, they, <laughs> you know, they just, you know, they, Chandler they, they, specifically says there isn't one. In fact, Chan, Chandler points <laughs> out because there's an interview where people are like, so, you know, there's a couple characters who die and you never get back to it. And he's like, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> and that was his, and that was like his explanation to stuff. It's like, yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter. I don't know. I, mean, look, I, I, I know this may be a little, it's a little feel, far feel, but it's not, you know, because no, better call Saul. I don't want to give away any endings. I know. Yeah. Now I was, you know, I watched a few episodes of Breaking Bad, but I found it too bleak. And yet somehow I made it through all seven years of Better Call Saul. And that's a show that subverts itself and so constantly mm-hmm. in a really good way. You go, I don't know what they're doing, but I trust them enough to stick around for the ride. You know? Yeah. And see, I love Breaking Bad. And I think people will remember it as an edgy, dark, bleak show. But it's ridiculous. I mean, it opens with them cooking <laughs> meth in their underwear. Like, that's the episode one. Like, there's so right. much that's just silly in it. And I think what I'm not saying I'm not trying to argue one's a better show than the other at all. I think that, you know, you find stuff that sings to you because whatever, you know, whatever it is you're looking for, you, the viewer or the reader is looking for. It's got, you know, it can tickle enough of your fancies in order to make you into it. Right. So like for me, I like having good character development and I also like to laugh at stuff. Right. I mean, it, I mean, we joke about it on this show, but it's why I love Riverdale. Right. I love the ridiculousness of Riverdale. I love how nonsensical it is and absurd it is. But also there's a lot of character development. And also for me as a comic book nerd. There's nostalgia in, oh my God, I'm watching Archie, you know, like, so like that, (laughs) that's a big part of it. Is it serious? No. We also talked about even more than Riverdale. I'm, as far as, I mean, honestly enjoying it, I'm loving the Nancy Drew show because Nancy Drew is not farcical. Nancy Drew is a gothic mystery and ghost show. That's what it is. Stuff in in CW. I like it. And I think that you can have multiple things. It's weird because as much as everybody talks about how much they, you know, needs to be funnier, this needs to be serious or whatever. I I think people 
like variety, even if they don't notice that they like, I mean, maybe not everybody. Some people don't like variety, maybe, and that's fine. But I think a lot of people like variety and just don't like being reminded of how much they actually like variety. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess that Thor, that, that characterization of Thor is sort of a kind of good looking, you know, super heroic, but, but socially inept guy. Did that? Was that sort of part of him being a comedy duo with the Loki? Is that and sort of emerged from that? Yes. Yeah. Well, I, also I hadn't thought of it that way, but that makes some sense. Yeah. The people so, like Wayne, the people you're talking about that, and I mean, it's not like a specific person, but all the people who complain about yes. the Thor movie, for instance, what did they want really? Right. Because if you're honestly t- like, like, I don't think anybody, in fact, I know because I, and me so i've read comic book sales figures for the last 40 years thor has never been a, a big seller like danny you said like the fifty thousand people fifty thousand people read spider-man fifty thousand people have never read thor like, <laughs> in in the i mean like the generous yeah most amazing thor run to me is like simonson's run which i thought he was doing brilliant stuff and yeah during simonson's run he's going around saying forsooth and thee and thou and stuff and he also turns into a frog for like four oh, issues right right <laughs> like, right like he just he straight yeah. up just turns into a frog and that's just the story and there's so even then it was so I, and i want to get my experience pack yeah, like, and, and at the store once again, you know, a, a different customer who you know, just giant Thor fan. That was his thing. It was his thing. And uh, boy, the whole you know when Jane Foster became Thor, he just wanted nothing to do with it. Just you know, and, and I think to begin with, there was sort of that he thought they, they were just doing an actual transgender kind of thing. They were turning Thor into a woman, and just that completely weirded him out. But even once he realized that wasn't what was happening. He's still just like, this is not my Thor. I mean, he was angry about the entire thing. And I remember saying to him overtly, like, you remember when he was a frog? And somehow that was okay-ish. Like, I'm not sure what the difference was. But people do. They have that headcanon. They have that expectation of who these characters are. And, you know, 20-some movies and however many TV shows into the MCU, it's not what the comics are. And the comics I read today are not what they were when. Danny, when you were working there, and they're not what they were when I was a kid. So your head cannon is never accurate. Like, say, like you said, Danny, your head cannon is based on when you were 12 years old. I don't disagree with what we're saying, but also it's possible that some of these things are just bad tonally off movies. Yeah, well, yeah, I, yeah. I haven't seen Thor because uh. I got spoiled on the end and I need to cool down and get over it before I watch it because I'm upset. I won't spoil it for anyone. But I did watch Doctor Strange and I know that we've already on this show some of us have talked mm-hmm. about Doctor Strange and people were not fans and I also was not a fan. And I think the reason why I like I thought it was a cool idea of doing horror although I watched like Evil Dead like the week before I watched Doctor Strange and those are not the same in terms of what oh. I actually thought um, it was it flirted with the idea of horror more than it like really leaned into it. But the thing that bothered me still Disney products, don't forget. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. of course. The thing that bothered me is that your main villain doesn't have a real motivation and you're not honoring her like character arc from mm-hmm. like the previous thing she starred in. 
And so I wonder like, ago. some of yeah, like like some of that, some of like th- these complaints I wonder is like we keep telling stories with the same characters in the movies and also like in the comics. Like I, I admit I quit reading Spider Man several times as a kid in a fit of pique because I felt like they didn't understand who Peter Parker was like I did. And maybe that was, you were and maybe that was, <laughs> maybe, you know, and maybe that was like me, the arrogance of a child. But also now as a 31 year old woman watching Wanda just go on about how she's not a monster, she's a mother and like their shallow attempts at doing something that's not feminism, but they're trying to act like it's feminism. It's just also like embarrassing. So I feel like maybe like, the genre sometimes undermines the character development and when the like plot and character don't align there there feels like something off that like critics and fans notice even though there's like other things going on that's why i'm pausing yeah you know the thrill of seeing any of these movies I mean, look, we're all, you know, we are all the exact opposite of typical fans, right? I mean, we're doing a podcast about this stuff, you know, you know but there's a certain sameness. You know, the challenge in making comics always was, right, you have a Spider-Man comic. Well, you know it's going to have certain things are going to happen. And you know, at some basic level, it's going to be about the power and responsibility thing. But what clever way can we come up with make it more relatable and if we get it wrong this time well there are still four more spider-man comics this month at least and 15 more <laughs> yeah. we get it yeah. wrong. If we get it wrong we'll have a chance to get it right and meanwhile our readers have enough faith in us to do it right often enough that they'll hopefully stick around so i think maybe that movies have gotten to that point where huh. and apparently it's working and not everything is for everybody not everybody loves everything but I mean, the, you know, first there was one movie, then there were two movies. Then, you know, you're like, oh, every May there's going to be a new Marvel movie. And now it's like every, every two weeks there's a new series or movie or something. Yeah. It's all, and it's all, you know, the good news and bad news, it's all one big story. And it's an incredible machine. It, for me, it's lost a lot of the luster. But again, maybe I will never have that experience of being 12 years old and reading Spider, you know, yeah. or read Spider-Man. I mean, maybe that's, so, you know, I think we here in this, in, in, in this stream yard, no, it's not stream yard, what the hell are we using? Dis- in, Discord? In yeah. this Discord, right. Ah, he's a funny name for a, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For a uh, co-working thing is Discord. That's we're all going to co-work on Discord, you know. So I, I'm, I admit I am jaded with it. I go to them, and then I'm pleasantly surprised when there's some new thing that I haven't seen. You know, but so the balance, you know, I don't know what the right the balance is with a, a comedy versus total serious. But certainly, and look, if you look at even the original Superman from 1938, 39, I mean that, that and there was humor. You know, I mean, I got a, got a character who's the Joker, who's literally you know, a clown gone bad. But it, it's, I don't know, well, like I said, the box office seems to show that all of jaded as I may be, or we may be, you know, that the people are still uh, really responding to this stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing that, that, you know, people say, oh, well, you know, people are getting burned out on Marvel movies. People are getting burned. Uh, okay. We say that. <laughs> we right. say that Thor was a misstep and it was bad. 
Thor Love and Thunder, the fourth Thor movie, made $723 million and climbing at the box office. Global box office. Global box office. Yeah, global box office. It's at 327 right now in the American domestic box office. That's a ridiculous amount of money for a Thor movie. You know, like, like it's a movie about Thor, God of Thunder. The, if you, I mean, go back to before 2008, to before Iron Man, and try to convince any of us, like us who actually care about this stuff and cared about this stuff in 2007, that there was going to be a $300 million Thor movie, fourth <laughs> one. You know, like we're going to be on the fourth Thor movie and it's going to be making, you know, close to a billion dollars worldwide. Look, I think as much as the stories on the special effects, what Marvel, and I really have to kind of look at Kevin Feige here for a lot of this, what they have been really involved is finding actors who are perfectly suited to be those characters. So even mm-hmm. if a particular, even if a, an individual script is not so great or, a story, I mean, you know, Chris Hemsworth, is Thor, right? You know, Robert Downey Jr. is Tony. I mean, they were able to match those characters so elegantly with the actors and actresses. It's just really, you know, amazing. <laughs> mm. so I think when you're dealing with live acting, that forgives a lot. Too. I don't know that there is an answer to this. I mean, people have different tastes. We're all going to respond to this stuff differently. I mean, here, here on the show, you know, our, we have wildly different opinions on the ones we like, the ones we don't like, and that's okay. That's part of the fun of it. I just, I, yeah, so, so we'll resolve nothing, I guess. I don't, okay. <laughs> um, okay, but can we resolve one thing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. But we, no, does anyone here actually enjoy watching Thor The Dark World? Oh, I do. Like, Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I don't, I guess yeah, no, I, I, no, well, I don't I talked about this you know, friend of the show, TK. I talked about this on her show. I don't like, am I going to watch it over and over again? No, but I don't hate that movie. I, there's things about it. I like, yeah, there's things about it. I don't like it is to me. I found Thor, the dark world, mediocre, frighteningly mediocre. And now again, I watch a lot of movies, right? Like I watch a shit ton of movies. And I'm not judging it as a Marvel movie, just as a movie. I was not offended by it. Um, compare this to the Doctor Strange movie, which I actively did not like. Oh, that's, so that's a one. A, Can we all agree that we don't difference. like Multiverse Madness? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, yeah. I actively dislike that, as opposed to Thor. If Thor: The Dark World comes on TV and just have, I'm not going to turn the station. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I guess. Thor's on. Thor 2's on. Okay. I mean, I like, but I'm never going to go out of my way to watch it again. But it, it, I was not actively offended by it. And there's a couple where there are a couple other ones that I don't love. That was, well, you know, the one that I got a big kick out of that I know a lot of people didn't like was Ant Man 2. I thought that I was. Loved I loved it. it. <laughs> I thought it was great. It was fun, you know? I thought Ant Man 2 was hilarious, actually. And the complaints I heard from the people who didn't like <laughs> it is that it was too goofy. So, well, I mean, I guess that doesn't work out because I was going to say the thing, you know thing that we can resolve is that you know we all have different opinions but we're all pretty close to the same i guess <laughs> so, yeah, yeah yeah let's form a team yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we call it yeah and this is where the and this is where mav's gonna just cut off the episode and cut to the credits <laughs> <laughs> yeah avengers uh and then just go away yeah like <laughs> uh, 
the new warriors. That'll be. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This was yeah. This was good. Thank you for show, for joining us, Danny. This uh, this was oh, really yeah. fun. Me, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Our number zero negative one guest, like I said, the show. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, hope you come back again. If people want to know more about what you're up to, where can they find you? You know, Facebook is my main social media, and uh, they can uh, contact me at Danny at dannyfingeroth.com. Pretty clever, right? Eh? <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> okay, social media wise, Facebook is the best bet, and I have a website that's about most of the 10 years out of date, but I'm going to update it any day now. But Facebook is where I find my most up to date postings and the musings and stuff. And uh, yeah, that's, uh, you know, I'm there in the, uh, in the media verse. Awesome. Yeah. I, well, I see you on Facebook for that, a lot. Yeah, now, now, here's where we're going to yeah. have lots of fun. Where can people find you? Here. You can find me here. <laughs> but if you want to link to something, Mav, you can link to the National Network of Abortions. I will, of course, do that. And wait. You know, much like Danny, Facebook is probably my primary social media outlet. I'm going to end it there because I never say anything at this point. <laughs> and you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, all the places, always at Chris Maverick. You can follow the show, all the same places, at Vox Podcast. You can follow the show's blog at www.voxpopcast.com where you can find out what we're talking about next week, which I've lost track. So I plug it, but I don't remember what's next week. So we'll figure that out. But if you go there, you can leave us a comment and we'll respond to it on the show. <laughs> um, if you enjoy the show, and we certainly hope you do, please subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or wherever the hell else you get podcasts from. And do us a favor, leave us a five-star review. If you leave us a five-star review, especially on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, that boosts the algorithms, makes us more popular, and really helps us out. Can I throw in one one more weird plug? Oh, absolutely. Okay. I only uh, I mentioned this because uh, he's a baseball player, a baseball superstar named Noah Syndergaard, who has just come to the Phillies, so he's in your state, has a book club. Huh. And he actually, it's on Instagram, and he actually did an interview with me about the Stan Lee book. So if you want to see me being interviewed about Stan Lee by a famous baseball player or as a book club, you know, do the appropriate Google search and check it out. But it's one of the more... It was, a, it was a terrific interview, but it was certainly one of the more surreal things I've done in my life. It's like, oh, I'm being interviewed by a famous baseball player really? at comic books. <laughs> do, you, do you talk about baseball more or do you talk about comics on the interview more? No, we mostly talk about, we, we talk about sort of Marvel in general and Stan in general and the movies. And, you know, it's a, it's a 15 minute interview. And uh, certainly, you know, when I tell people I've been on this guy's show, the response is mostly, Noah Syndergaard is a book club. Well, he does. <laughs> That's awesome. Danny, I, several years ago, when the there was a graphic novel biography of Roberto Clemente, and Clemente's a Pittsburgh legend, of course, and we had it at our store. We had the creator, whose name I'm blanking on at the moment, come in, come in for the signing. I was interviewed on a local sports talk program about him coming to our store. So, yes, it was very odd talking comics on a syndicated sports yeah. talk show. It's just very weird. So. All right, Danny, thanks again oh, for joining us. Thank you, guys. Thanks a lot. Thank you, everybody. Yeah, thanks, Danny. I'd like to thank thanks. Maximilian Bye. of Thought for Music for our epic theme song, going ever so more epically and playing us out. I'd once again like to thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Bye. 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 <laughs>